Thank you. Thank you. What a joy to be here. We really uh, don't know till we get in the service. And uh, I look at Pastor David, what you think? And he's, what you think? And I said, well, I can do either. So I'm, I'm excited tonight. It's uh, uh, what a, a, a portal there seems to be here. It seems like the veil is really thin here tonight. And uh, would, would all the young people who just sat down, would you stand back up just a moment? Because uh, when you were up, when I came in, this is such a confirmation because today as I've been praying, uh, the Lord, um, uh, Pastor Bruce, just really laid on my heart that this is an apostolic base, a hub for this region, a multi-generational church. And I just heard the term that you are forerunning and raising up forerunners. And Jesus was a forerunner. The forerunner is the one who takes new territory. It's a pioneering spirit, the one who gets there first. But it also means you have to cut a path, have to deal with the briars and the thistles and all that stuff. But it makes it easier for the people who come behind you. But as you were up here worshiping, I felt the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me as it was in the day of David when he put a stone in his sling to bring down the Goliath of his day, that there is some of you here that's going to be like a stone in a sling that God is going to wind up and send to the nations to, to, to bring down giants in the land. So I just decree and declare over you, you are giant slayers. And uh, just get ready to get wound up and sent. That's part of that apostolic anointing. And I declare over you that you are forerunners. You're going to go where uh, those of us uh, that are older haven't gone yet. You're going to seize new territory. God's going to open doors and gates before you. He's, and you're in a great place here to be equipped and to be mentored and trained. Uh, I just got to meet uh, Pastor Bruce face-to-face -face a few moments ago, but immediately I, I, I've just uh, sensed the Father's love. Uh, easy to love, easy to receive love from, and I just sense that there's that Father's anointing on this house. But also this, uh, you may be seated, God bless you, but also this region is just pregnant with promise. I feel like the atmosphere is heavy, and uh, the, this, the downpour and the breakthrough uh, could come any moment, and, it, and when it happens, it's going to happen through you. It's going to happen by what God uh, effects in your life. And I declare over you right up front, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and do according to his good pleasure. Uh, I've got some things I want to share out of Acts 2 if you want to be turning there. But I bring you greetings tonight from Florence, Alabama. If you were to look on the map, Florence is located in the northwest corner of our state in the United States where Mississippi, Alabama, and come uh, come together and converge up in the corner. We live on the Tennessee River. It's a beautiful place, and I'm glad to be here. And I bring you greetings from Grace House. It's the congregation which I pastor, and they are praying for us. We've had a grand time. We arrived um, a week ago today, and uh, we've kind of been jumping around the province and uh, just have been won by the love of the people, the hospitality of the people, and we have seen these gatherings of the hungry. There are a lot of places you could be tonight, but here you are on a Thursday night, eager to go after God and wanting more. And you know what God does when he meets hunger? He begins to satisfy that hunger. It's the story of the Bible, God's desire to fellowship with his creation. In Acts chapter 1, uh, Luke chronicles for us the history of the early church after the, uh, the post-resurrection time of Jesus, right before his ascension. He's gathered his disciples together. And in Acts chapter 1, he, uh, Luke tells us that John preached uh, that one was coming after him who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus told them in Luke 24, tarry in Jerusalem until you're clothed with this power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, he tells them that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then when we step into Acts chapter 2, let's just look at some verses there together. Acts chapter 2. 
And I'm going to begin with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What were they doing there? They were praying, remember? And it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And you can read on there the things that happened. And when you get to verse uh, 16, Peter reaches back several centuries to a prophetic word that Joel had received from the Lord. And notice, notice what he says. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, for hundreds of years, that prophetic word had been hovering over the nation of Israel. God was watching over that word to perform it. But in Acts chapter 2, God's calendar, the appointed time, the Kairos moment came, and that prophetic word was activated in the earth realm. And here's what it, it said. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. So we know this is initiation of the last days, okay? That I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. This is something God would do. He would initiate it. And notice, uh, nothing's out of bounds. Anybody that wants it can have it. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. It was an initiation of a new era. In the Old Testament, they had the office of the prophet. The people were used to the ministry of the prophet. But now there's the announcement because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that prophetic ministry would fall upon the sons and the daughters. So we are now a prophetic people. We can hear the voice of the Lord. We can release the voice of the Lord that we have heard. And he goes on to say, Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So there's the announcement of visionary, revelatory experiences that will be received. Uh, and the God would speak through dreams. What I'm, I'm setting you up for here tonight is one thing I want to say to you is we have to be sensitive to revelatory moments in our life. We are living in the era, era of revelatory, prophetic, vision-laden, dream-led uh, communication from God to us. Always it will square with the Word. We anchor ourselves in the written revelation of Scripture. We open our heart to the rhema words of the Lord that come by His Spirit, sometimes straight out of the Scripture, sometimes spoken to our spirit. It will always square with the Word. That's our safeguard. That's our safety net. But we are a revelatory people. We haven't been relegated to something God said a long time ago we have that, and thank God for it, and it's still laden with power. But you can hear the voice of the Lord. And I, I would just encourage us all tonight to begin to pray, Lord, help me to have a greater degree of God consciousness and awareness that you are with me and that you will speak to me. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. He knows you. He knows you intimately. He knows you well. He knows how to speak to you. And I have learned that it's important for all of us to learn how to translate the language of God in our life. Sometimes it's through vision. Sometimes it's through dreams. Even how he speaks to us through the word, through those promptings. Sometimes it may be images that flash into your mind. Sometimes it may be sensations that you start feeling in your body. God can speak in so many ways. Some of his spiritual gifts enable us to hear in different ways. So, uh, Holy Spirit, lead us tonight. Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. Holy Spirit, stretch us. Make us more aware. Make us more alert of what you are saying to us. We know there's many prophetic words over this over this people, over this region, over this province.
And just as it was on the day of Pentecost, there's going to come a time when God begins to awaken and alert and move and, and people are going to be thrust into a new era, if you will. In other words, the atmosphere is going to shift. Things are just going to be easier. Uh, the, the momentum, acceleration, and all those things. But I don't think we're relegated to just sitting in the bleachers waiting, waiting for that cloud to appear. No, I think that God wants to partner with us, and our obedience will help activate that release, will help activate that outpouring. So uh, if you'll just allow me to draw out of some of the things that we've read here out of the Scripture, and you see this pattern particularly through the book of Acts, you will see that, that there will be gatherings of people that are moved to pray. And just like it's already been announced, next week, you're going to get back in here and keep going after it. You're seeking God. You're hungry. You're praying. And that's what the early church was doing. Now, I'm not saying there's going to be a repent, uh, repeat of the first Pentecost that occurred, but I tell you there can be uh, continual outpourings. You and I were created to live in the presence of God. And there they were waiting and praying. They were inundated with the presence of God in a new and different way than they had experienced. Those disciples in John 20, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Right? He said that. But yet here in Acts 1, he says, Wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be empowered. In Luke, he said, you'll be clothed with power. Whatever happened in Acts and John 20, it was awesome. It was great. It was needful. I believe it was the within you ministry of the Holy Spirit. But when you get to Acts 1, it's announced that something else is on the way. Actually, in Acts 1, it also tells us that whatever John had prophesied about Jesus had not fully occurred yet. John said, there's one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to even unlatch. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but the one who's coming, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John announced the ministry of the Holy Spirit that would take place through the Messiah. Now these gathered disciples are told by Jesus, you know, even though they had received that breathing within them of the Holy Spirit, that there was still an endowment of power that they were to receive. And my, oh my, they got a download on the day of Pentecost. There was auditory miracles. They could hear the sound like a rushing mighty wind. There were visible uh, signs. There were cloven tongues of fire uh, upon their head. There was an internal activation. They began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak in other tongues. I personally think in that text, they were able to speak in the language of the people groups gathered, even though they'd never learned those languages. But as we read on through our new covenant, we find out that there are the tongues of men, there are the tongues of angels, there are human languages that we can supernaturally speak that we've never spoken, but there's also heavenly languages that allow us to communicate in the realm of spirit, of the spirit with God himself. And I think he uses that in ways even beyond our understanding in the realm of the spirit. And so all this is happening on the day of Pentecost and then the prophetic announcement that Joel had made. It's a time, a time was marked that is now beginning to be, to be activated. And you know what? All that prophecy has yet to be fulfilled. The outpouring's been fulfilled, but that great day of the Lord that's coming when there's the cosmic events that are going to happen, that's still to come. So we are in the middle of that prof prophecy given by Joel. Now we've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need it to win the world and bring the world to Christ before that day arrives to see as many people saved as we possibly can. 
By the time we get to Ephesians, Paul said, go on being filled again and again and again with the Holy Spirit. That's the import of the language in Ephesians 5, 18. When God created the first man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden, he breathed into that ground. And just imagine with me for a moment what that was like for the first man. Adam is formed in sand, if you will, in dirt. The dirt man, Adam. God breathes upon him. And he becomes animated. His eyes open. The first face he ever sees is the face of God. That's what we're made for. The first voice he ever hears is the voice of God. That's what we're made for. The first human emotion that ever resonates within him is God's love. Love. Because God is love. And now he's awake and alive in his presence. He was filled with the very spirit of God, the Ruach, the very spirit of God. And he stands up a man made in the image of God, full of the spirit of God, living in the love of God, hearing the voice of God, seeing the face of God, fellowshipping in the paradise of God with God, hearing in the background the trickle of the river of God. Hey, we're made for the river. We're made for the presence. We're made to hear his voice. We're, we're, we're made to behold the beauty of who he is. And one day we will literally see him face to face as it was in the beginning. So it will be in the end. We'll be in a garden with a river and the tree of life and so forth. So we are now in that time of restoration. That's exactly what Peter says in the second sermon he preaches in Acts 3. He talks about whom Jesus whom heaven must receive until the restoration of all things. So we are people with a commission to see the restoration. His blood is worthy of that. His blood is worthy to see people saved. I remember I was preaching in a meeting on a Saturday night, a revival meeting, and when the invitation was given, there was a young man that came forward. He had been addicted on crack cocaine. He was addicted to pornography. He was addicted to alcohol. He confessed all of this. The people that knew him bore witness that he was one bad dude. I mean, he was in trouble and, and with two sneakers on his feet. And that night, the Holy Spirit convicted him. He gave his life to Jesus Christ and was immediately, miraculously delivered from cocaine, from alcohol, and pornography. Now, he also smoked, and he wasn't able to give that up after all that other. And I, t I t talked with him because he, he began uh, coming to the church where I pastored. And I told him that you need to follow obediently in the steps uh, of Jesus and be baptized in water. And we talked, and he did. And do you know when he was put under that water and came up, his testimony, and this has been years ago now, his testimony is he's never had another desire for a cigarette. And I just learned that night, there can be great deliverance and breakthrough, but if you want to keep walking with God, it takes obedience. So we begin to see things in the book of Acts. There's going to be, a, uh, there's going to be the prayers that we need to be praying and, and, and realizing, being taught that we were made to live in the presence, to be empowered by God's Spirit and to live in His presence. But also, there's radical steps of obedience that are required in our life to move on with God. To move on with God. I had been a, a Baptist pastor for 14 and a half years when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, a, a year later, God began speaking to me, and I won't go into all the story about how he spoke to me about I was to step out from pastoring and just minister to the body of Christ at large. And, um, and I, I prayed about that. I got a word from the Lord. And then it came the time for me to actually do it and said, God, I need a word from you. He woke me up in the middle of the night, gave me a scripture, and I went to the book of Ezekiel, the scripture he spoke to me. And there at the verse, Ezekiel was told to go out from the people but remain in their sight. And that's what we've been praying. What are we going to do? Well, you just step out from where you are, but yet 
remain in their sight, live there in the town. So we did. We didn't have a place to live. We didn't have any visible means of income. And we didn't know what we were going to do. And so we started praying. The church was gracious. They gave us a couple of months to live in the parsonage before, uh, before we had to clear out. And we were looking, we'd looked at uh, land, and we were about two weeks away with no, no, no place to live. And we were praying, and we were praying. And I found a piece of land, five acres. They wanted $20,000 for it. I'm a home builder by trade, and I told my wife, we could buy this, and then I could get a loan, and we could build a house, and, and, um, and so forth. And it was beautiful. And the people were willing to sell it uh, to us, even though they had said no to a number of other people. And I prayed and I prayed, but the Lord wouldn't give me peace. I didn't get a yes. So I called them and I said, I'm sorry, but I just don't have peace that we're to make this purchase. And my wife is, she's like, what are we going to do? Because we had four children and where we're going to live and we're about to not have a home and we don't have any income and, and all of that. I said, you know, and, and, and because of my experience with the Lord at that time, and I'd, I'd learned to start hearing his voice. And it's like I really was praying. You know, we'll say, well, I'll pray about that. But I really was. <laughs> I was really praying. And I was seeking the Lord. And uh, uh, two days later, I got a phone call. Pastor Eddie, uh, my wife and I need to talk to you. Uh, could you come out and, and meet with us? And I thought, well, I got all this going on. I wonder what's going on with them. Are they having marriage problems or whatever? And I said, well, okay, I'll come. And so I went out to see them. I went in his house. And he said, he said, I don't know what your situation is, but I have um, a 200-acre farm here. And the Lord has spoken to me and my wife, and I want to give you four acres of property. You can do with it what you want to. If you want to build a house, whatever you want to do. And, and I was like, whoa. But I said, you know what? I said, this is amazing. And we have been praying, but I need to pray about it. I need to ask the Lord. And I mean, I was just in that place where I didn't want to do anything and miss the Lord. It was too important. So I went back home, and my wife and I prayed, and, and we really did have peace about it. And I called him, and we ended up building a house on that four acres. But here's the thing. I didn't have a job, and, I, and now I had a new house to build. And so I go to the bank. Lord, you're going to have to help me. You know, I did have a good income, a good salary at the church, and and I go in and I meet with the lady who's the loan officer. And I said, and I, I had drawn out a, a, a plan on a piece of paper. And I said, I want to build this house. And, well, tell me about your income, your savings. Well, it, it wasn't much to tell. And she's sitting there. And then the Lord starts speaking to me. And I said, and I'm thinking, Lord, she's, you know, she's deciding whether she's going to help us or not. And I don't know if I want to, you know, bring this kind of stuff up and it just kept coming so I thought okay I said ma'am can I ask you a question I said are, are you having trouble in in the back of your your neck just some shooting pains and she said yes how did you know that I said well I'm just sitting here looking at you and I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me that God wants to heal you okay I said, so would it be all right if I prayed with you? I guess so. So I got up and I went around and I said, can I put my, my hand just on the back of your neck and, and then hold your, your hand? Uh, okay. And I just prayed a real brief prayer. Jesus, thank you for loving this woman enough to, to, to make this known. Neck be healed in Jesus' name. I said, would you begin just to move your neck? And she did, and she said, oh, my goodness. She said, I've been dealing with this. I forgot how many months it was. And I, there's no more pain. Now she's really happy. Well, while she's doing that, I said, uh, there's one more thing. The Lord just spoke to me. He, he tells me that your heart's real heavy, that you have been wanting a child. I mean, that's real personal. She starts crying. And then she begins sharing uh, about her and her husband's situation and how that they were wanting to adopt. I was able to pray with her, and God just wrecked her with his love. I mean, she knew that she knew that only God knew those things. 
and that he was loving on her. So after I said the amen, I went back and sat down. She just pulled out a pen. She said, how much do you say you need? And she gave me a line of credit, and I, I started building. I went over there, and I, I, I hired a guy. I laid it out, and I hired a backhoe to come, and I poured the foundation. And, and I'm, 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 I'm doing this myself, and I poured the foundation, and, and I'm setting up to get the block laid. And I'm home, and I, I, I didn't tell you, the guy that gave us the four acres of land, he also said, well, now that I've given you this four acres of land, I don't know if you know it, but the house directly behind the church parsonage, I own that. That's a rental house. It's just became vacant. Y'all just move into that until you get your house built. I won't charge you anything. God's just boom, 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 putting it together. I start building the house. Then somebody comes and knocks on my door uh, while I'm getting foundation block ready to lay. And, he, and the man said, is your name Eddie Lawrence? I said, yes. Are you a preacher? I said, yes. He said, okay, just wanted to make sure I'm at the right place. Someone, and I can't tell you who it is. They don't want you to know. But my name, he told us my na his name. He said, we build houses in the area. I got a big construction crew. And somebody has paid me to come and work for you for six weeks, and they're going to pay for it all. Next thing I know, you know, we got the foundation done. There's a crew that comes in that uh, frames, puts the siding on, the doors and windows in. Then I'd laid out, well, I want, I want a big deck here, here on this end of the house because this four acres overlooked a beautiful green field and a big hollow of uh, oak trees lined each side. It's just gorgeous. Had a couple of ponds on it. It was beautiful. And, and my house was seated. And I, that was his land, but we had the view of the, the whole area. And so I go to the, the lumber yard to pick up the material for the deck and loaded the trailer. I get big order. You know, this is like $3,000 worth of treated lumber. And I go up to pay, and I said, uh, okay, I, I said, I've got all the lumber loaded, and, and uh, I got, I'll write you a check for what, what do I owe you. And the woman looks and says, oh, there, there's no charge. I said, what? She said, yeah, the Lord spoke to me that I'm to give you this material. Would you pray for my husband? He really needs to be drawn close to the Lord. So I pray with her and continue to pray for her. And the God began to do some stuff in their family. That, that's just two stories. And then uh, a, a couple of weeks later, somebody knocks on the door. And it's someone I know. And he's got tears in his eyes. And he said, Pastor Eddie. I said, yeah, can I come in? Well, sure. Come on in, brother. Pulls a check out of his pocket for $6,500 and says, my wife and I, God just spoke to us. We want to buy all your kitchen appliances. And I mean, it's just left and right. These things started. People would show up. Uh, we want to paint for your charge. We want to help you do your plumbing. And I'm over there working day and night just to, to get it ready. And it took about five months, but we were able to move in. But when we moved in, the house was over half paid for. And it appraised for much, much more than I had in it. So we started out. It was just amazing. And I still didn't have an income. I started getting calls to go minister. The Lord said, never ask for an offering. And I made up some tapes and resources. The Lord said, don't put any price tag on them. Give them away. So I'd set up a table. And uh, I, I went to churches. And the, and the pastor said, I'm going to ask you to get up before I give the offering. Just tell about your ministry. I said, you know what? I, don't don't mention my ministry. Just let the people give whatever they want to give. I did that in one church. He said, you're crazy. I said, I'd rather have the time just to minister to the people at the end. Okay. And at the end of that service, uh, the pastor, and we like prayed for people over two hours. But after the service, the pastor came to me and said, I, I, don't, I, I don't believe this. This is the largest offering we've ever received. And didn't even say anything to the people. You know, when you leave things to the Holy Spirit, it's amazing what can I'm not saying there's anything wrong with other methods. I'm just saying, and, 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 and we receive offerings at my church, I'm not, so I'm not against that. I'm just saying, in that season, God was training me to be radically obedient. No matter what the natural was saying or people told me, just to, to listen, learn to cultivate a sensitivity to his voice. And I'm saying we're created to live that way. 
Who did Adam talk to when he was first created? It's just him and God. You know who the first person Eve talked to was? Who, who was the first person Eve met? It wasn't Adam. Read it. God took the rib out of Adam. He made a woman, and the Bible says he, he brought her to Adam. So the first marriage is a man who had first met God and a woman who had first met God. Then God brought them together. That's the divine pattern. We were made to live in the presence. We were made to hear the voice of God. I was recently in Esquintla, Guatemala, and it was in a, it was in a service. The people were just worshiping in an unhindered way like you guys were doing earlier. And it was just so powerful. The, the atmosphere was thick with the presence of God. And I'm getting up uh, to preach, and the Holy Spirit just stops me. And it's like, I just hear this. There's someone here. Your, your, your left shoulder is frozen, and you haven't been able to move it, and the Lord wants to touch you tonight. Would you? I didn't even give it all, all my, out of my mouth. There's a woman back uh, in the back, jumps up and runs up to the front. I said, ma'am, is that you? Yes. I said, show us how much you can move your shoulder. And she goes, I said, you can't do this? No, this is all I can do. And in the name of Jesus, I bind the pain, shoulder be healed, be made whole. Now try to move your shoulder. And it, I mean, I was, I'm not amazed anymore, but I'm surprised, you know. I mean, I'm not surprised anymore, but I'm amazed. Got that backwards. Um, but she just started like, it just loosened up, and then she's doing this. Afterwards, her daughter comes and said, I've just got to tell you the story. That's my mother. She had had chemo, and they put a port in her left shoulder like a number of months ago. The port burst in her muscle and messed all the muscle and nerves up in her shoulder, and she hadn't been able to move it since. God miraculously healed her that night. That's our God. That's nothing for him. But we have to be radically obedient. If he, if he speaks something to you, then... Take the step of faith. Have courage. I'm not saying it's easy for me even now. It always requires faith. We're called to live by faith. And there's so much I'd like to tell you about that, but I want to leave time for Pastor David to come, and I want to leave time at the end. Let's just see what the Holy Spirit might want to do for you tonight because I believe there's going to be an outpouring, and I believe we're going to see people healed. I believe we're going to see people overwhelmed by His presence, and we'll just pray for gifts to be activated and the Holy Spirit to move. Let's, let's ask for that, okay? And let's believe for that in Jesus' name. Come on up, Pastor David. You take this mic and run. Amen. Thank you. So good to be with you tonight. I'm going to put this down here. And this is awesome. This is about the tallest I've felt this whole trip. It's been amazing to me. Okay, I'm 5'8", five, five, sorry, I'm trying to claim one. Um, but we've been to some places where there were some really tall people. Pastor at one church, I think, was 6'7". His son was 6'10". And all the pictures, my picture just kind of shows up, at, my face shows up at the bottom of the screen. Not really. I feel like the Lord has us here tonight. There has been an impartation. I feel there's a commissioning and an activation of what God has put inside of you. So would we just position our hearts before the Lord and say, God, here we are. What do you want done? Send us, God. Here am I, send me. Um, I grew up on the mission field. Uh, Lord's blessed. And, and uh, even as a young person, God gave us opportunity to travel in many different countries. So I see all these young people up here worshiping the Lord. My heart leaps on the inside. And I just want to say to young people everywhere, to parents everywhere, you don't have to go out in the world and do all kinds of wild things. You can just live for the Lord and receive the blessings of the Lord for the rest of your life. Amen. So walk with the Lord young, cultivate a relationship with him, be filled with his Holy Spirit young, and just live it out. You know, uh, Pastor Eddie was sharing from, from Acts uh, chapter 1, and I, I mean chapter 2. I just want to go back to, to Acts chapter 1. It, it's, it's interesting to me that during 
when Jesus came and he walked with his disciples for 40 days, that then he told them, don't, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't leave the city until the promises come to you. And we know that during that 10 days, there were all kinds of people living their lives. Some were being born. Some were dying and passing into eternity. But it was more important that they take the time to get in the presence of the Lord and get still and receive the promise that God had provided for them. That, that Jesus told his disciples, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, just get in that upper room and spend time with God until you receive power. And, and uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Um, well, let's start with verse 6 because the disciples are talking to him, and they were all excited about what their agenda was and what the people were looking for. And he said, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They had an agenda that they were trying to put forward, and Jesus stops them right there. He was developing a kingdom. He was building a kingdom, but it was a whole different kind of kingdom, a much bigger and, and greater and grander kingdom. Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So his commission was there was power at work, but it was God's authority. It was the Father's authority. But then he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So let me ask you this question. If you've received the Holy Spirit, did you receive power? Did you receive power? If you received the Holy Spirit, the answer is yes. So whatever roadblock there is, there needs to be a, a key turned on the inside. There needs to be something activated inside of us. There needs to be a release of that deposit that's been put on the inside so that God can go to work with us. Now, sometimes God, God, God goes to work on every one of us. Let me just tell you, and I was blessed I grew up over in Africa. My parents were missionaries over there, uh, born in South Africa, lived there two years. We moved to the country of Rhodesia and went through the 10 years of war before it came to Zimbabwe. I was three years old when I first remember making the trip down the aisle in a church. And, and we know that as a three-year-old, I didn't understand everything that I was doing. But in my heart at that time, that was a sincere act. And I know that God saved me that day because I made a commitment to the Lord. It was a few years later that I hit the altar real quick after watch, watching the movie Thief in the Night. Do you, anybody remember that movie? Uh, it was a movie that, that would, would just about scare you into heaven. And I came running down to the altar, and I wanted to make a sincere commitment to the Lord, and the Lord filled me with his Holy Spirit. But um, I've, I've pastored for years in North Carolina, and then God got a hold of me and, and told me, I want you to go down to Florida because I've got a work for you to do down there. There were some churches that were asking me to come work for them. And this is a much longer story that I'm really abbreviating. But all I, could, all I want to say to you that when I got down there, all the things that had been promised to be by the people in that place were not there. They, the things where I was dependent on them for a house and things like that, they just said, I'm sorry, that didn't work out. And I'm like, well, I've got a truck full of things that's got to go somewhere. They said, well, you're going to have to get storage. And I thought, oh, my goodness, Lord, what just happened? And uh, it didn't take very long for me to realize that I thought I was going down to Florida to work for the Lord, and I realized that I was going down to Florida for the Lord to work on me. And let me just tell you before I go any further, when God takes you through tight places, when God takes you through difficult places, you can trust his process. It's not always easy, but I can tell you this, it will work for good. During that time, it was one of the, the most difficult times of my life. And I'm not someone who would run away from the Lord. I was pursuing the Lord. I moved in order to continue serving the Lord. And uh, I thought I was stepping into the next phase that God had for my life, and I was. It just wasn't what I was expecting. But it felt like God stripped everything away from me, like everything that I'd ever had any kind of confidence or dependence on in my own life, God took away. 
I grew up in a household where my, my family was well-known in, in church circles in, in, among the people that, that we fellowship with. And I went to Florida, and they didn't know who they were. I, I didn't have any family reputation to lean on. I went down to Florida, and I didn't have a church, so I wasn't a pastor. I didn't have a title to depend on. When I moved down to Florida, because there wasn't a house and no income, I couldn't even bring my family down initially. So I'm a husband and a father and a minister, and all that had been taken away. My family were 14 hours away from me up in Virginia. And I thought, Lord, what in the world happened? And it became so difficult that I just... The only hope that I had was that I just started spending time in God's Word and spending time talking to the Lord. And I, for my own uh, sanity, my ability to hold things together, I would just go on long walks and just spend time listening to God's Word and spend time uh, uh, spending in His Word and spend time talking to the Lord. At the, and in the most, that was the hardest time that I've ever been through in my whole life. But I would go to a mall and sit down on a bench just wanting to be by myself and want to see some interactions with families and things like that because I didn't have my own family. And in that place, I'd sit down on the bench and minding my own business, and someone would come sit down on the bench. And next thing you know, they'd start pouring out their life story and telling me about the difficulties that they're going through. And, and I'd end up having to talk to them about Jesus and get the opportunity to pray with them and encourage them about their life. The anointing works without a title, without a church, without a position. The anointing still works. And through that, it was it was about a two and a half journey that I went through, and then it took, and then God gave me a position in a place at a business. But that that two and a half journey with the Lord, there was such a very difficult time in my life. There was one day when I was traveling down a back road, and I remember going over a speed bump. The speed bump's not necessarily significant except that I remember where the place was and when I went over that speed bump something changed in my spirit and I heard this word approved and all of a sudden this heaviness of this dark cloud just kind of lifted off of this and and it felt like the presence of the Lord just filled that car right where I was and a, like a veil had been pulled back and whatever was, was, I mean, the heaviness and the darkness and the, the difficulty that was on my life just lifted. My circumstances didn't change, but the, the atmosphere sure did around me because I heard approved of the Lord approved of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the pieces of the puzzle didn't come together the way I thought they were going to come together, but they came together in the right way for me able to fulfill what God had sent me there to do. And it wasn't too much longer after that that God gave me a job and God made way for my wife and kids to be able to come down and join us. And then I got to see the, them, I got to witness them go through their own tight and difficult place. And God said, I don't want you to take this away from them. They need this the same way you needed it because it's about their destiny. It's about their future. They need to learn to depend on me like you learn to depend on me. And I want to tell you this. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that serving the Lord is always easy because it's not. But I can tell you this. Serving the Lord always works for good. It always works for good. I was diagnosed with colon cancer, ended up in the hospital. I've prayed for people and seen people dramatically healed. And then you turn around and you get diagnosed like that, and you're like, Lord, what happened? Did we miss something here? And I went through, I, when I was preparing to go into surgery, the Lord was bringing scriptures to my mind. And, and I don't know if I've ever felt the presence of the Lord as, at any other time as strongly as I was feeling it at that time, or at least as strongly as I was feeling it at that time. The Lord would bring scriptures to mind from Isaiah and from, uh, from Ephesians, from different passages all over the Bible. I'd say, honey, 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 read this one to me. Read, would you read this to me? And she would read it. And as soon as that one was finished, the Holy Spirit would give me a whole other scripture to be read. And the Lord encouraged me through that process and I I was awaking awakening from anesthesia in the hospital in the room and I said Lord I don't know why I'm here but since I am is there anything you need me to do and I can tell you tonight that the man that ended up sharing a room with me would have been dead if I hadn't been in that room the Lord awakened me in the middle of the night and had me interceding over him and praying for his life for about 15 minutes and then all of a sudden from the other side of the room I heard this really faint help help 
And I pushed the button. I called. I said, look, the guy in the room with me needs help immediately. Would someone please come ASAP? Come in here. I think the word is stat. And they came running in there, and two of them came in there, and he had slid out of his bed and was being choked by his he – had, he had had surgery on this side of his neck, so he had bandaging over there. And this side of his neck was being compressed by the, the, the bed sheets that he was sliding out of his bed, and he saved his life. Two weeks later, you know, they told me to go on this soft food diet. And uh, so two weeks after surgery, I was eating soft tacos from Taco Bell. And uh, they said soft food, but I found out that's not really what they intended. Put me right back in the hospital, and I'm like, Lord, why in the world am I here? And uh, not a place I had intended on frequenting. But let me just tell you, <laughs> this is going to sound strange in context, but you can trust the Lord in even the most dire situations. If you're committed to the Lord, if you've covenanted with him to serve him, God will use your circumstances to your, to your, to your benefit and to his glory. I went into that hospital that time, and and uh, I was thinking, Lord, here I am again. It's only been two weeks. What am I doing in here? And so I was just praying and seeking the Lord, and I walked out of the hallway and started to, started to go down for my walk, and uh, I heard somebody from across the hall. This is a completely different section of the hospital, and I heard someone across the hall say, did you see that young man? There's something different about that man. I was younger back then. Uh, did you see that young man? There's something different about that man. And I, I turned around to hear it was. It was the man who had been sharing the room with me on a whole other section of the hospital. He had progressed in his healing process, and they had moved him into this hall. I'm, God used soft tacos to get me back in the hospital. And I'm across the hall from the guy, and I got to go in there and fellowship with him and pray with him because he didn't know the Lord, and, and God used those circumstances. I don't want to have to go to the hospital for that, Lord. Just tell me when to go. But in that situation, that's what it took to, to be there when God needed me. So you can trust the Lord with your circumstances. God's put me in places that I can tell you that on the inside I felt completely unqualified to be there. And I've shared some of that in some other places, but I remember being in Costa Rica one time. I won't elaborate on some of the other things, but but Uncle Steve and I, who was here, Uncle Steve, I don't, did he speak when he was here? My goodness, does he have some stories to tell? But he and I were down in, in uh, Costa Rica one time, and uh, I don't know how, but they had us on national radio discussing politics and uh you know the the politics of costa rica and of all things you know there was a language barrier but they were calling in and asking questions about their political system and what was the best way to govern the nation and things like that and and you know i'm getting a question in spanish it's being interpreted and then i've got to give an answer and the holy spirit was so faithful just to bring principles from God's word to bring answers to the needs of that nation. So then they call us to go to a political rally and we're standing there with all these people that are conspiring and working together. To, they want to bring a, a, a Christian force in the nation. And so we're talking to them and encouraging them in the Lord. And, and they kept us so busy. We went to the, the Senate of Costa Rica. We went to the White House of Costa Rica. And then I knew that I was getting tired, so I knew Uncle Steve had to be getting tired. And I finally said, Lord, would you just give us a day of rest? Lord, I, we just need, I know that he needs a day off, and I'm tired too, so could we just have a day just to refresh and be renewed? And uh, all of a sudden, we got a phone call that night. They said a senator had called and wanted to take us to his private residence down at the beach. I thought, well, that'll do. So we went with this this center. They picked us up uh, about 6.15 in the morning, and they took us down this long road. We uh, It was about a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour drive. We went down to Punta Leona, uh, the, uh, and and uh, he, we came to a gate, and it was security. You know, and it wasn't that just kind of thing. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, I see your license plate. It's okay. Would you sign it? They say, we need your passports. We want to. They really checked us out. You felt like you were going like uh, through an immigration office. They checked us out. They wrote down all of our numbers, and they said, okay, you can proceed. And they sent us down this cobblestone road for several miles, and then we came to a beach area. There was another security gate. 
They checked our security all over again, and they said, this is where the royalty from England will come, and they started naming movie stars and people that were would go to this resort and everything like that. I thought, you know, we're doing pretty good here. Not a bad day off, Lord. And then he took us along, and he came to another gate, and they checked our security and everything all over again, and then he said, and this is where those other people can't go. And they opened a gate and took us to where they had all these private residences, and he had a residence there. And I'm not saying all that. I'm not trying to impress you with that, but I just, God will put you in places that you don't even, you don't even know how it's happening or, or, or what's going on, but you can trust the process of God. Learn to hear his voice. Learn to be obedient to the Lord. And God will take you in places where he can do the supernatural through you. That, that senator ended up taking us down to the beach and under the trees. of that. I saw him working with the legal pad. And uh, I, I spoke to him. I said, I've seen for hours you've been sitting here with this legal pad. What are you doing? He said, I'm rewriting laws that will change the course of this nation. And we had the opportunity to be there and minister to him and, and be with him while he was writing things that would help change the course of a nation. I, I want to, we need to reach people wherever they are, but we don't need to lose sight of the people that God's put in areas of influence over our provinces, over our nations, over our cities. We need to reach those people because let me tell you, I've sat in the offices and talked with them. I've heard their conversation. I've seen their tears because we don't understand the type of pressure that they live under. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah. I didn't realize I was going to say everything that I already did tonight. But I want to challenge you with this. Would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60? Hallelujah. We just, let's, I just want us to change our whole focus right now. I don't even want to be present in this place except to be a mouthpiece for the Lord. So, Holy Spirit, would you come fill this place with your presence afresh? Stir the waters once again, dear Lord, and let us know that there is a divine presence here with us, dear God. Right now, dear God, would you create a, a warmth, a sensation in the hearts and lives of people that are hungry here tonight, dear God, and let them know that it's a night of visitation from you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Several, a couple of years ago, I was praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, I began seeing men and women of the faith that we have looked towards for guidance and looked towards for example and looked towards for direction. And I was seeing them passing on into eternity. And I, and I said, Lord, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The, the face of the leadership of the body of Christ is changing around the world. People that we've depended on to be our fathers, to be our mothers, to help guide us in the faith are moving on to into attorney. I, I said, Lord, where are the generals for this coming age? Where are the, the people who will be standing up to be able to lead and, and we can look to for direction and, and guidance like that? And the Lord spoke to me and said, stop, stop looking for generals. He says, I'm raising up an army. What's happened is that in some ways, we've gotten a little bit lax in the body of Christ. We've wanted a leader to stand before us and do everything for us, just like the children of Israel did. Moses, will you go up the mountain and hear for us? Will you go up there and hear for us? We're afraid. We, we don't want to go there. We, don't wanna, we, want, we want someone else to go in here. We'll come on Sunday morning and we'll listen to what you bring to us. And there's always going to be a, a place for the ministry gifts and the body of Christ. But that in no way negates your ability to go into the presence of God and hear from God for your life and what God wants to do through you. I just want, you know, you, uh, you mentioned the other day, Pastor Eddie, about the wave. 
Can you just imagine a viral move of God moving from heart to heart among the people of God that moves through the community? It goes into the schools. It goes into the workplaces. It's not waiting for people to come into the house of God because it's happening in the grocery store. It's happening in, let's just go and say in Tim Hortons. It's happening wherever people are that God is moving among them because there's this little viral move of God that's happening. It's definitely empowered by the Holy Spirit because there's things transpiring that can't be explained away because all of a sudden there's a word coming about a stiff shoulder and there's there's a word coming about somebody having a pain in the back and you, somebody there got a headache and they need a healing and somebody's gone through a difficult time and God's supernaturally revealing it through the gifting that he's put inside of his people. And all of a sudden people can't deny what's going on and they just have to respond to the presence of the Lord. And God changes things. And what took 20 years and 40 years and 50 years to make a move of God, all of a sudden it's just a ripple effect that moves right through the body of Christ. It's like a spiritual tsunami that rushes in. And it's not. It's going to destroy some things. It's going to tear a few things down. And it's going to wipe a few things out that shouldn't have been there anyhow. But this move is going to bring life instead of death and destruction. So what God is wanting to do is release an anointing through the people of God that's going to have the effect of changing our communities, changing our provinces, changing our nations, and it's rising up. It's happening all around the world. So I said tonight, there's, there's, God has put a deposit inside of you. Believe in what he put inside of you. I just, I am going to tell you just a little bit. I don't want to prolong this, but in Costa Rica one year, um, Uncle Steve and I were down there and we were tired. We wanted to take a nap, but they interrupted our attempt at that and said, look, we've got a business meeting. You need to be dressed in business attire and you, the car's on the way. And the car came very quickly. We were rushed down to the Senate of Costa Rica and, and shortening the story. Before long, we were sitting in the press room where they do all the television interviews for television for their nation when they're putting the word out there they had the cameras and the lights and the pictures of the presidents and paneled walls all around the room it was, a, it was a very ornate room and this this man came walking out from behind actually from the senate floor and he came out and sat down with us and, and he said he was being polite but he said i don't really he said uh, um, i've got a very important session coming up here so we're thankful that you've come to our nation we appreciate you being here and for all you're doing for us he said but i've got about two minutes and then i need to be back in here for a very important session and uncle steve began sharing with him about some contacts we had with some resources that might be helpful to them with regards to medical supplies and different kind of things that might be helpful in a time of need or disaster and uh while the conversation was going on there, and this senator looks there, very serious and hardly any emotion on his face, just kind of like he was tolerating what was going on. He was, you know, thank you very much, but you could tell he was busy and stressed. And uh, while the conversation was going on there, the Lord gave me a word concerning their national security. And I had already been sitting in this Senate area, and I'm thinking, Lord, what in the world am I doing here? You know what I'm talking about? You ever had a moment like that where God stretched you into a place where you thought, Lord, I think you might have the wrong person here. I don't know if I'm the one that ought to be here. And I was having one of those moments. And uh, then then uh, shortly after that thought went through my head, actually what I'd said, Lord, I don't want to misrepresent. This is what I said. Lord, I don't want to misrepresent you, and I don't want to make a fool of myself. That's what I said. Man of faith and power. <sighs> And then all of a sudden they turned to me and they said, David, do you have something? And I said, yes, I, I feel like I need to share this with you. And I shared with him the word that God would, had given me concerning their national security. And I don't know anything about their politics. I had no forewarning about this, but I, when I, I shared it that day. And uh, the, the senator was looking at me like a, a principal or a headmaster. He's looking over and had this stern look on his face. And then when I got finished, he said, what you've just shared with us is not common knowledge. He said, we heard this in an intelligence briefing in a presidential breakfast this morning. And as a nation, we're completely unprepared, and we need prayer. He said, this is not from man. This is from God. 
And what God did, he used that word to be able to identify that we were messengers from the Lord. It was not common knowledge, something they had just heard about this morning, and here the Lord was revealing it again. And the effect of that, it wasn't putting any of us on a platform except for the fact that that senator sat right there in front of us and began to open his heart and talk about how difficult it was for him as a Christian trying to represent Christ in the government that was being hostile to his faith and hostile to things that he was trying to bring to the floor. And he began to talk about the threats that had come on his own life and the threats that had come on his family and on, on his wife and on his children and how he began, he was, he was praying for some kind of help. And he felt like he was all alone, and he just began to weep. He's a senator sitting there in the press room, and he's just weeping, weeping like that. And God gave us the opportunity to, to minister to him as an individual, as a needy person that needed a touch from God, and God refreshed him and encouraged him. And, and then he took us into the Senate floor and let us stand right there where they take care of the business of that government. And standing on the Senate floor of Costa Rica, we said, Jesus we declare your lordship in this place. Lord, would you demolish every stronghold in this nation that stands in opposition to your purpose and plan? And would you establish your kingdom in the hearts and lives of the leadership and the people of this nation? So I said that to just let you know this. I didn't feel worthy to be there. I didn't feel like I was the right one at the moment. But, but God put me there. And so if God ever puts you in a situation, just trust what he puts in your heart and be obedient to it. I'm saying this because I believe God's activating something in you tonight, and, and I'm going to, I want to, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for the, the uh, deposit of the Holy Spirit if you need the Holy Spirit in your life, but we want to pray for an activation of the gifts and callings and purposes of God in your life, for the release of his anointing for your life, for you be able to walk deeper and climb higher, to be able to do things that you've never done before, for you be able to, to hear in ways that you've never heard before, and have a willing heart to be able to go and do what God's called you to do. And you're going to see lives transformed. You're going to see, you're going to see addicts set free. You're going to see people get healed where healing is needed. You're going to see uh, a newness of life and a purposeful living come into people that are desperate and lost and giving up hope because God's bringing hope through you, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So I want to read to you from... Isaiah chapter 60, but I'm not reading to you just to have our ears tickled or even inspired. I'm reading to put this out to you like a commission, like a fresh mantle coming over you that God's establishing something in your hearts and lives. Would you join me in standing here as I read this to you? I want to just start out with this. This is an imperative. This is not... When it starts off here, it's, this is not a, I'm asking you please to do this. This is an imperative. So God's saying, do this, okay? Do this. But the scripture says here, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and a thick darkness is over the people's but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations, nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Oh, Lord, would you activate this scripture in us tonight, Lord God. God, would you take us beyond our natural and our program and our expectations, your Lord, that's limited by man's understanding. And God, would you thrust us forward, propel us into the supernatural, your Lord, where we have to depend on you and we can depend on you and we know that you are a faithful God. Lord, I pray right now for a release of your anointing in a whole fresh new way across this congregation and across this people that are gathered here tonight, Lord, that we would be able to move your God in the secret things of the Most High God, that you would reveal the promises of heaven, your God, and let us release them into the earth, your Lord, not just for ears to hear, your God, but for them to see them fulfilled right before their eyes. 
God, we're a, a people that have been called by your name, set apart by you, empowered by your Holy Spirit. God, would you work through us to accomplish your purposes tonight, dear God? Would you work through us, dear Lord, to accomplish your purposes in our in our gatherings and in our goings, dear God, and in our workings and in our resting, dear Lord? Use us by your Holy Spirit. Give us the revelation that we need, God, so that we could do the work that we've been called to do in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pastor Ada, do you have anything else? I decree and declare in the name of Jesus that heaven's invading earth in this place, that we are adjusting to the climate of heaven in the room even tonight. Lord, we welcome your presence. We welcome the attendance of your holy angels. Lord, we welcome uh, the prayers of the saints that are being offered right now. And, Lord, we just pray that you would move upon every heart. We, God, I know you showed me before I came to Nova Scotia about the waves of glory. So I decree and declare that waves of glory are rolling across Nova Scotia. We call them in. Lord, you said deep calls unto deep. You put a hunger in so many people across this province. Lord, we know, we know there is a corresponding reality to that hunger that is being carried. And we call for that to come forth. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that people across the province would awaken in the middle of the night and begin to cry out to the Lord. Father, that people in the jail cells would hit their knees and begin to cry out to the Lord. We pray for those uh, who are prodigals on, on hearts in the room tonight. We call for our prodigals to come home from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And we, we say in the name of Jesus, sickness, disease, all illness, all malady has to bow at the name of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. If we could have some music playing, and we would, we'd love to just uh, begin to minister, Pastor, if that's all right. Just minister to those that are hungry, and uh, we, we, we will do the laying on of hands and pray for you. Let's just be in agreement in the room. Just say with me, welcome Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way in my heart. Have your way in my life. I believe the Lord, especially there's some people. Uh, there was one other place that uh, the Lord spoke, and I'm just sensing this tonight, that there's some of you, you, you are warriors, but there's been a lot of war coming against your mind. Uh, the Bible calls it the wearing down of the saints. It's just like this: these assaulting thoughts that come your way, and you try to push them back. And you're just tired, and you're weary. You love God. You're praying. You're reading your Bible. But it's just like you're, you're more tired than you ought to be. And a lot of it's just mental weariness. We just take authority over that in the room tonight. And we just say in the name of Jesus, it's being broken. The blood of Jesus is worthy. The blood of Jesus is worthy. We hold up the standard of the cross of Christ, the blood of Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we renounce the work of that spirit of weariness. It's the spirit of Antichrist behind that. We break its power now in the name of Jesus. If that's you, if you're having that issue, just agree with me. I renounce this. I break its power. I have the mind of Jesus Christ, and I receive the refreshing of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Be refreshed. Be refreshed. Be blessed.